in song. As we do every Sunday, we'll begin singing together um, kind of with and for our children. We have a lot of them here this morning, so let's be sure to um, lead one another in worship. no bottom to your ocean there's no top to your mountain no end to your sky there's no limit to your love there's no bottom to your ocean there's no top to your mountain no end to your sky there's no limit to your love Welcome to Be Seated. Well, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good, good. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Welcome to summer. It's officially here in Dallas. We made it. So exciting. The next few months is just going to be great and awesome um, in the sense of there will be, this will be the coolest it is. So enjoy it. We'll try to keep this space nice and cool for us so that we can enjoy it. Um, but seriously, glad you're here. Glad we can enter into summer together. And as you know, summer gets a little crazy for everybody um, as we kind of free up life in some ways. And so um, with that kind of, there's a bunch of motion and commotion um, going on. And that will fill this way like that in this morning with all of our kids in here. And so we welcome that. We think that's actually a really cool part of life because we all love summer, right? As hot as summer is, you remember summer as the greatest times of your life, the time when you were free of all the restraints of school, and at some point, maybe even free of, of, of a few other restraints, and so you just enjoy life. And so ideally this summer, like we want to have that mentality as we come into this space, right? That we come into a space with God, in, uh, in a space where we can worship God with others, with that kind of freedom, that kind of joy that our kids really model for us. And if you were here about five minutes ago, you would have just seen the fun chaos, the chaos. And so that's actually a really sweet thing. We love that as a faith family. And so if you're new to Christ City or newer or maybe even visiting for the first time, uh, we actually kind of like this, this feel. So um, we really want to be a family of faith. Um, and we strive to be a family of faith as much as we um, love um, coming together uh, in this space to what we typically think of as church. Uh, we don't believe that this is church. We actually think that this is just the church getting together to worship. The church coming together to be in the presence of their Father and the freedom that the Father gives us to be able to worship Him, to adore Him, to set our minds' attentions and our hearts' affections upon Him so that we might actually live free in life with Jesus outside of this place. So that together we might strive through the ups and downs of life um, to be ones who know Jesus, who become like Jesus, who do what Jesus did. And that's really our hope as a faith family. That's our, that's our desire. That kind of sets the trajectory for everything that we do. 
And so again, if you're new or new with us, we want to welcome you into that. Uh, we, um, uh, right now, we are in kind of a series, actually concluding it today, where we've been talking about how that functionally works for us. What does it look like to follow Jesus together and how we can help one another and serve one another along that way. And so that means that everything that happens in this space, as much as we love it, um, requires us to be together outside of this space, right, in some sort of way in relationship. And so if you are not connected into our faith family, uh, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, uh, on the back little table thing by the door, there's these little black cards. You can fill out one of those cards. You put your information on it. You put it in the box, and then magically it goes into my pocket, and then I email and text you tomorrow with my number and my email and invite you to dinner or to coffee into the community with us and uh, into getting to know one another. And so that's it. It's real simple, but we'd love to help you connect into our faith family because, again, we think that, believe that, that, that we need one another to actually live life well in Jesus. And so we, want, we just want to invite you into it. Know that the door is open. It's always open. There's no pressure, but there's always an invitation to be a part of that. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Speaking of some of the things that we do together outside this space, next Saturday, Maria and um, Rachel are hosting our ladies' brunch. And while it says 1030 on here, um, it's actually 11. So it's great. You can sleep in just a little bit later um, if you don't have kids. If you have kids, you've been up for about seven hours at that point anyway. So like, it's, it, you just, it's just lunchtime. It's just lunch. It's not brunch. It's lunch. And so, but at Vector Brewing in Lake Highlands, um, if you have questions, you can email Maria. If you don't have Maria's email, her phone number is right here for everybody to grab. You grab it. You text her right now. She'll love it. Um, but seriously, we'd love for you to join us. Um, the, the women of Christ City are getting together this coming Saturday morning uh, for an opportunity just to be together to um, to get to know one another, to pray with one another, and just enjoy one another's company in Jesus. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. Um, also, um, just as a way of reminder, as we go throughout, as we travel, um, a lot of us will be traveling over the summer in different ways. Some of the ways, the easy ways to stay connected and a part of things is through our church app. Um, as laid back and as low-key as we are, we know that in this day and age we can't function without our apps, right? And so we, uh, we, we have an app for you. Um, you, can, you should use it. It's great. Um, you'll get a Monday psalm written uh, prayers by people within our faith family for you and over you. Um, there's pastoral notes that come throughout the week and then a collective prayer that we pray together on Fridays. All that's accessible on the app. All that's a way just to kind of stay up and stay connected as we go through life, um, um, especially summers where we're traveling and everything like that. So be sure to take advantage of those things. But back to where we're at now. In this moment, our desire is to set our minds, attentions, and hearts, affections upon Jesus. That's why we get together. That's why we step out of our normal rhythms of life. And so to do that, like a little part of doing that is just being present helping our minds and our hearts be present here to the presence of the Lord. And so for just a couple minutes, we just want us to, to quiet, to just be quiet for a second, and then I'll pray for us. And then we've asked Kate to come up and to introduce us into our time of worship through a psalm. So we pray with me, and I'm just going to be quiet for a second, and then I'll pray for us. But in that quiet, just calm, let your hearts be calm, let your minds be calm, and then we'll enter into worship through Scripture together. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to, um, to be here, to be together here. Um, Lord, together with one another, with 
brothers and sisters who are seeking you and longing to follow you and to become like you and to live life in a way that um, Lord glorifies you in a way that you've created them to um, and to flourish in, Father. And so we just thank you that we share that today, a longing and a hunger for you. Um, Father, help us where uh, maybe our craving is, um, is not so deep. Um, let your spirit... Um, let your spirit long for us so that we long with you. Lord, where our desires for you are uh, resounding because of difficulties, because of, um, Lord, opportunities, um, um, out of just adoration, Father, Lord, let us, um, let us recognize you in the scriptures, in song, in the voices of our brothers and sisters. Lord, and together may we leave this place, Father, Lord, more in love with you than when we entered in, more aligned with you than when we entered in, ready to walk with you in whatever you have before us in the week to come. We thank you for the freedom you give us as your children. So let us worship you like your children this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My choice is you, God, first and only, and now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with the house and yard, and then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives whenever I'm awake is confirmed by my fucking heart. Day and night I stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. My whole being, my glory, rejoices for I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant from shining your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. Thank you, Kate. I want to invite everyone to stand. Kate just read for us. We'll just sing now our confession. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We'll just remember that together this morning. We believe you are the way, the truth. The life we believe you are the way, the truth, the life. We believe through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance. And I believe that you are my fortress And you are my portion You are my hiding place Cause we believe you are the way The truth 
every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take. Well, I believe that you are provided, you are protected, you are the one I love. You are the way, the truth, the life. We believe you are the way, the truth, the life. We'll sing that again. Cause we believe you are. Mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to, cause they can't stay long, when I'm here with you, it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today, with mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts They can all come to Cause they can't stay long When I'm here with you And it's a new horizon And I'm set on you And you meet me here today With mercies that are new And all my fears and doubts they can all come to Cause they can't stay long And I believe you are The way The truth The lie Yeah, we believe you are The way The truth The lie If you have little ones, if you're serving and kids this morning, you're welcome to head on back. We love our children, Lord. Um, may you lead them in your way everlasting um, in the voices and in the prayers of our faith family. Those of you that are sticking around in here, you're welcome to continue to sing with us. My feet are strong. 
She's going to lead us in a reading. We look at the Son, Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at Jesus and see God's original purpose in everything created. Everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in Jesus. Jesus holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, Jesus organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Jesus was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, Jesus is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, Jesus is there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is Jesus, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in Jesus without crowding. Not only that, 
but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of Jesus' death, Jesus' blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what Jesus does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ Jesus brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. Thanks, Bethany. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5. Uh, we'll be there in just a second. Again, if... Um, if you're new with us, um, or you haven't been in the last couple of weeks, uh, we are wrapping up a, um, a a series, I guess, if you will, of where we're looking at what it looks like to be ones who follow Jesus together, um, what it means, and how we can help one another actually um, become what we desire to be as a faith family, um, um, people who live like Jesus, who are near Jesus, who do the things that Jesus did throughout our days and lives and week. And um, as you can see from Colossians, like uh, this is kind of where we get it. Like Jesus is kind of a big deal and he's kind of everything. And, and we talk about Jesus a lot. And, and so, so we really want to be people who know him uh, in a way that allows us to, to know ourselves, um, who we really are created in God. And we, we want to follow him because we believe that he is the one who not just gives us life, but shows us how to live life well and to, to the fullest. And so... Think about this, of what Bethany just read. She said, you yourselves are a case study of what Jesus does. You yourselves are put together whole and holy in the presence of God. That's a pretty amazing thing to think about, right? Did you ever, have you ever thought of yourself as a case study of what Jesus does? We think about the gospel, we think about what Jesus does, and we usually think of it in terms of a thing spoken, or uh, maybe God acting in a big way in the world, or uh, maybe even God acting uh, in tremendous ways um, that we've seen, um, uh, whether that be historical or personal. Um, but have you ever thought of just your life, just your life, your life being a case study of what Jesus does? Or what about your life together with those that you're walking with Jesus with? The way you live and the way you act, your life being a case study of what Jesus does, bringing people together that might not necessarily naturally be together. Ever since we responded to Jesus' invitation to follow him as an apprentice, ever since we took, he took our hand to train us for life, as, as the psalmist says, as Kate read for us, we've been on this journey home with Jesus to our Father's house, a place where he has everything set up for us, as he tells us in John's Gospel. A place where our whole nature and capacities are fulfilled. In contact with the one who formed us and knows us most truly. In relationship to God, we're known most fully and truly, right? We become who we're most meant to be, who God has created us to be, spoken to us to be, given breath for us to be uniquely us in this vast room of the world that is under Jesus' rule. A relationship in which our whole being, our glories as our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful, reflect the attitude and action of the glory we behold. Apprentices and children are able to live absorbed into the life of God. That's our goal, isn't it? 
I mean, isn't that why, to some extent, we come to a place like this, into a body like this, why we keep coming back to it? Because we know that there's something about life in God that we long for, and that we desire, in the fullness of that, to be absorbed into his life, into what he's doing in the world, in us, and around. That we want to be ones who are absorbed into the life of God like Jesus was. Participants in good creation and intended salvation unfolding everywhere and for everything. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at that, right? Like how we get in on that together. This is a beautiful picture of what life with Jesus, with others, is meant to be. As messy as it is, as hard as it can be, this is the life that God calls us into. And it's a pretty picture. Life whole and holy with intimacy and immensity of God. Right? And it's a beautiful picture. It's a brilliant image. That's, that's the thing, though, it's, it's not a complete image. Or at least not a complete image if we're just isolated in ourselves. It's an image that always requires us to be with other people, in the context of other people. The pilgrimage we're on and the end that we seek in union with God in life requires that we travel with others. And that's, that's where we tend to get our hang-ups, right? <laughs> if it was just us, if it, we were just getting to live life with God on our own and in our own way, like it would be fairly easy, we think, right? Like we could, we could hear from God, we could respond to God, we could know who we are, we could live our lives but that's not the way God intended us for work, right? He brought us not just into life with him, but into his family. We're brothers and sisters. He made us a part of creation, this massive reality that we're a part of, to be participants in it, to flourish in it, to, to, to work out within it how he created us to work out with others. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, but it's also a super messy thing. Because the reality is that we journey through life and we hit some magnificent peaks, but we also go through some shadow, shadowy valleys. We trek through daily deaths and resurrections with spiritual companions. Why? Because we need the encouragement, as, um, as we've read before, to, to not walk away from that gift of Jesus, right? As Bethany just read. We need the encouragement not to walk away from it, not to walk away from our real life that is in Jesus, and a family of faith is ones that help us do that. They're, they're ever prompting us to listen and respond to our Father together. And in sharing life with these fellow apprentices and pilgrims, they help us remain um, grounded and steady in the bond of trust in Jesus, constantly tuned to the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. Because the reality is it's easy to fall into all those things, right? To lose our grounding, to lose our trust, to be tuned into some other message, not the only message, but some other way of life that's good, and, but maybe not the best. Sometimes it's easy to get distracted and inverted, so we need others to encourage us, to stay on the path, to walk with us, to journey alongside of us. And that's really what it means to be the church, to be a people who announce to one another early and often and clearly the kind of life into which we can grow, to help us set our sights on what it means to be a human being complete whole and holy, in the presence of the Father through Jesus. That's what it means to be the church. Again, with all of, all of our experience, with all of our ambitions, with all of our um, um, hopes of what more it could be, at its simplest, what our scriptures tell us is this is what it means to be a family of God. To be ones who encourage one another, to announce to one another, proclaim to one another early and often and clearly the kind of life into which we can grow to help us set our sights on what it means to be a human being complete in the image of God, whole and holy in the presence of Jesus. That's what, at its simplest, that's what it means to be the church. 
a community of companions, spiritual friends who help us name what we're seeking and we accept Jesus' invitation to follow him and support us as we, and the psalmist read as we've read these last few weeks, delight and keep company with God, believing that he will give us the desires of our heart, trusting he will act doing whatever needs to be done and validate our lives in the clear light of day. That's what we help one another to do. That's what we encourage one another to discover and to live out. What a message, right? I mean, what a thing it would be if that's how life really operated for us, right? If this is the, this is the thing that we got to experience as life together. To be desired by Jesus, to, as, as Kate read for us, to discover that not did only did we choose him, but he chose us. To share life with us. And then to have him do everything necessary to make sure we end up where and with all God intended for us to be. Isn't that genuinely what we think of as blessedness? Wouldn't we call that blessedness? To, to recognize that we were chosen, even in our choosing. To, to recognize that God wants to be with us, desires to be for us, and has made a way for us to be all that we are in him. And to be able to live that and experience that, even now. That's what we would say is a blessed life, a happy life. Happy from the inside out, from the outside in, as the psalmist says. Whole and content and satisfied in who you are and where you're going in life. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the proclamation of the message. That's the invitation Jesus extends to be whole, content, and satisfied in who you are and where you're going in life. We would all say, I think, that such happiness is our aim. To be whole, to be satisfied, to be content, to be all that we are meant to be and know with confidence and trust and surety where we're going and what we're up to. I mean, isn't that all that we long for? Isn't that, to some degree, even what all of our neighbors long for, our coworkers, our friends, our family members? Isn't that what we're after in life, that sort of happiness? Every creature under heaven and earth is after the same thing, even if at times they and we settle for less. The fantastic news, the gospel news, and just the message needed and desired and satisfying for the same creatures under heaven is that through Jesus, our aim is sure, it's inevitable. Through Jesus, our aim is sure, it's inevitable. The thing that we're after, the wholeness, the contentment, the satisfaction in who we are in relation to God and others, in where we are going, in the path of God's history, in God's future, we find in Jesus. It's inevitable. Our end is sure, but so is our middle. We've discussed this before. The future and present weight of the word blessed in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew 5, in verse 2. The weight of the word blessed, if you notice, there's this constant theme, right, in the first few verses in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are you when others revile you on Jesus' account. Over and over again, Jesus uses this word blessed. If you remember, like a few months ago, I was thinking it was just a few months ago, but then I looked it up. It's like actually like 10 months ago we were in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's COVID time, so thing, time works differently. Um, but we talked about this idea, this word blessed has not just a future orientation, right? 
It's not blessed will you be when you, when, when you go through these things because at the end you've made it through these things. But the, the actual Greek word carries a weight that has both a future connotation but also a present reality. It's, it's a present experience of what is being felt and known in the midst of, in the middle of life. Blessed. Blessed is both our end and the way that we get to the end. In fact, blessing is the end of the road for our journey at home with Jesus, right? I mean, we know that. We know in the end, being in unity with the Father, in the presence of the Father, with unveiled faces, like that's, that's where we'll get to experience this without any sort of restraint. But as much as blessing is our end, as Eugene Peterson points out, that which is the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road. That which is the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road. The end shapes the means. The end shapes the means. This blessedness of where we travel also becomes a blessing, a blessedness of what we experience in life. Over the last several weeks, we focused on um, the means of, of the ways we journey together with Jesus, of the, the means and the practices of helping one another stick on the way, the path that is full life, full and forever. Um, as a faith family, we believe that like, it's not just enough for us to, to know the scriptures and hear the word of God, but to, to be ones who um, respond to it, who live it, who digest what God has said in a way that transforms us and makes us more uh, attuned and aligned and congruent with who God is, who God says we are, what God is doing, and how we participate in that. And so periodically, we kind of step out of, of times of study of the Word into these kind of seasons of practicing living the Word. And that's really what we've been trying to do this last month together. How do we live this out together? How do we live out this life that Jesus calls us to? And these together practices help us, are meant to help us deepen our bond to Jesus and to one another, and at the same time develop our skills and faith that keep us attentive to God's presence and actions so that we can join in, right? These things that we've been doing these last few weeks, these questionings, the questions we've been asking Jesus, like Thomas asked, these questions we let Jesus ask us, um, um, like he does so often in the Gospels, um, the, these practicing how to discern and hear and listen and recognize Jesus in the ordinary daily interactions of our life. These things help us, bind us to Jesus and to one another. They also give us these skills to keep us attentive to God's presence and actions so that we can join in, so that we don't miss out on the maturing or fruitfulness of this gift that Jesus gives us, which is our real life, our whole life, life as it's meant to be. Our final practice has the same goal. This is being our last one. Our, the goal hasn't changed. It's to become like Jesus, whole and holy in life together with our Father and his family. But it springs from a different source. It springs from life in the middle, from the experiencing of present blessedness of our apprenticeship and pilgrimage. If Peter's, what Peterson said is right, that that which is at the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road, if the end does shape the means, then our means for becoming blessed, experiencing the blessedness that Jesus says is ours in him, is through blessing. Jesus says as much immediately after these famous foundational uh, blessed are statements after the Beatitudes. And this is where you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. 
So right after the Beatitudes, right after Jesus has said the, the future of where we're going is this blessed reality of life with God, and along the way is the experience of that blessing, even in the midst of a oh, time and place that maybe it doesn't always feel blessed, even in the midst of trial and difficulty, when it doesn't seem like life is so blessed, we get to experience the reality that regardless of, as we saying just a little bit ago, regardless of what's going on around us, we know that we're safe and secure in the relationship with God and our identity with God and our direction with God. And that whether we're at the peaks of, of, our, of our life and in the glories of what God is doing in our life and through us, or we're in the valleys of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. We know that we're on the right journey. We're on the right path. We get to experience the fullness and the wholeness, the happiness that we long for, even in part, on the way. And so right after this, right after this, Jesus moves us out of this kind of weighty and joyous reality of blessed are you into a blessing of others. He says in Matthew 5.13, what's probably familiar to a lot of us, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I'm sure we've heard this quite a bit before. I know as a faith family, we spent quite a bit of time in this text even just now, a few months ago. Um, but I want to point out a couple things. Things I think we often miss here. And the first might be a little obvious, but the word you, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, um, is plural. I know oftentimes, um, if you're like me, when you read the scriptures and you read you, um, you tend to hear Jesus speaking um, um, in a way that says, like, Jeremy, your name, or my life, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's actually a real beauty to that. It's in, the Lord is that intimate with you. But the word here is actually a plural word. Jesus is speaking to his apprentices, his disciples, and a larger crowd. And while we tend to hear the word and just think, my life, we should listen to Jesus' description as our life. Our life. Collective life. Jesus is speaking to those who are following him, those who are intrigued by him, those who long to get something from him. And he says, your life is the salt of the earth. Your life is the light of the world. And listen, his analogies that he uses um, actually kind of bring this out for specifically the last couple of analogies that he uses. He brings out this togetherness of the blessed life um, to be a blessing. And he does it a couple ways. He says, first, um, the analogy, you're a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Now, a city set on a hill is not unique to Jesus. It comes from the Old Testament. That's the way Jesus worked, right? Most of his analogies, most of his uh, examples are not his own. Like he's, he's versed in the Old Testament. He understands what, what God's been doing before him and what God will do after him. And so he connects a lot of dots for us. And so this, this analogy, this, this description of us as a city on a hill comes from um, several Old Testament references, but one of them being Psalm 48. And here's what Psalm 48 says. It mentions, um, it mentions God's, God's dwelling, God's place as a holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation. That is remarkable, exquisitely distinguished, amazing in its example, in its beckoning, a place that we long to see. It's beautiful in its elevation. 
and it's for the joy of all the earth. The holy mountain, God's dwelling place, is beautiful in elevation and is for the joy of all the earth, is the joy of all the earth, is where joy actually is found on earth. Mount Zion, the psalmist continues, in the far north, the city of the great king. It's a city mountain. It's a mountain city. It's a city set up on a mountain. God's dwelling is described in Psalms as a city on a hill, a city on a peak that overlooks, its elevation overlooks all the earth. All the earth longs to go towards it. All the earth longs to find its joy in it. All the earth actually finds its joy in this dwelling place of God, which if we know our Bibles in Genesis 1 and 2, is true, right? When God dwells with his creation, it is good and very good. The psalmist goes on to describe the mountain city, the city set on a hill, as a place that the rulers, authorities, and systems or, or ways of the world look upon and they take flight and tremble. And against which they are shattered. So this city, while, while it has this beckoning quality, while it has this, 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 this picturesqueness that we all long for, it also has this, this way of showing the things that are less, that they're less. The other peaks aren't quite as high. That the joy isn't quite as full. That what the rulers and authorities and ways of the world are after don't quite arrive at. A place the psalmist says, though, that where we get to experience this, and this is beautiful, in Psalm 48. He says, Mount Zion, the city of God, this dwelling of God, is a place where we have what we have heard, so we have seen. What we have heard of God's promises of life with God, we get to see, experience. What we have heard, we get to see. Not just get to think about and believe and have in our minds an image, but actually get to see it, touch it, experience it, feel it. In where do we get to do this? In the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God, which God will establish forever. So this city on a hill is the city of God, the city of God's rule, his kingdom come, distinguished for the joy, the good, the blessing of all the earth. And as we recently saw in the Revelation, this city, God's dwelling, is also a people. The same city is also a people. Revelation 3 says this, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I will make him a pillar in the dwelling of my God, where God dwells, right? Never shall he go out of it, this is established forever. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. We are together to be a people in which God dwells, built into his temple as Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians, in which God's rule is distinguishable, going forth over the world for the joy of the world through our lives. People where what is heard about Jesus, what Jesus does, is actually seen. Isn't that what, what um, Paul said uh, that we are? That we are? That we are a case study of what Jesus does? That's, that's what our life together is meant to be. A place where what is heard about Jesus is seen. Is seen, is made known, stands above the authorities and rulers and ways of the world that settle for less. In case we wondered about the together nature of our calling, the next analogy, a lamp on a lampstand that Jesus gives, um, 
as we saw in Revelation, it just it pushes further this, this togetherness. It's not just about your life, but our life. In Revelation, the, the image of a lamp on a lampstand is the language for church. That's the image that Jesus, speaking in the Revelation, gives for the church. Those apprentices and pilgrims, again, who are following him. He says in Revelation 1, John speaking, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Revelation, as we talked about just last month, is a letter written to the churches, to the people, to the gathered, to the ones who are following Jesus. On turning, John saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. And as we discovered, that's who that, is, that person is. That's Jesus, right? And he laid his right hand on me, saying, As for the mystery of the seven golden lampstands, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So, the bringing together of apprentices and pilgrims, a family of faith on the journey home, is itself a way of shining light on who God is and what he is up to in the world. Being the church together, following Jesus together, encouraging us to be fully who we are meant to be in God together is a way of shining light on who God is and what he's up to to the world. Our life together, that simple, that open, that clear, is a way of shining light on what God is up to. It is a witness to the reality of God with us and God for us. That's what witness means. To witness God with us and to witness God for us. We are blessed together and therefore a blessing together for the joy of all the earth. Why? Because God dwells with us. Because as Jesus said at his, at his ascension, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as we've seen over the last few weeks, he fills us with his spirit. He binds us together and brings us together to show us how to live so that we can experience all that we've heard. It might be a witness to all those around us. Okay, now with that background, this listening to Jesus' words in Matthew, these familiar words that a lot of us have heard, um, with the idea that, that in some ways it's, it's, it's talking about a collective life together in the presence of God. Let's, let's read that one more time. But we're going to do so in a translation in, um, that, that maybe gets us to kind of off of our, off of our normal flow. Um, because if you're like me at all, sometimes when I read words that are super familiar, they kind of go in one ear and out the other, um, either because I've read them so many times or because, and again, this may not be you, it may just be me, you may never struggle with this, but because I think I get them, right? I think I live them, I think I've got it understood. So sometimes reading, reading it in a little bit different tone, in a little bit different manner, helps us hear it in ways that we might not in the familiar way. So, Let's do this. Let's, let's read these words together. The words will be up on the screen. And I'll try to go slowly in them so you can sit in them a little bit. If you want to just listen, you can just close your eyes if that helps. But listen to these words of Jesus after he's pronounced us blessed, our end and our middle, full and complete. This is what Jesus says. He says, let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you why following Jesus with others is matters. So I have formed this life together. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. 
that brings out the proper place and purpose for everything and everyone, fit and fixed together in vibrant harmonies that Jesus' death and resurrection bring about. You're, you're fit together. You, you're meant to bring out, witness to, make distinguishable God's good rule to the joy of all the earth. That's what you're meant to do. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you lose your saltiness, if we lose our saltiness, how will people know who they truly are meant to be as opposed to what the rulers, authorities, systems, and ways of this world say they're intended to be or force them to settle for? You've lost your usefulness if you're not salty. You've lost your purpose and your place, the thing that you were after in the first place, right? And we'll end up in the garbage. <laughs> Again, the very opposite of the thing that we're after, right? None of us want to end up there. And praise be to, to the Lord for the psalm that Kate read. That's not our destination. But if we lose our purpose and plan, then we've lost our way. Here's another way to say it. You're here to be light, to bring out the God colors in the world. Who he is and what he is up to, beautiful in elevation. God is not a secret to be kept. He is the reality to be witnessed. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, shining light on, on witnessing to the who and what and how of God, then you don't think that I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. I'm putting you with others together. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Witness, bless, bless, witness. Listen to this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven who you've come to know. The openness we've received from Jesus, his life laid bare before us, given for us so that we might know who the Father is and what the Father is up to in our lives in the world is our example of this, right? Is the openness that we extend to others, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, those in need, those oppressed, those in pain, those alone or settling for less? The same openness that Jesus shows us, we show others. We witness to the already blessed reality of life with God. When we talk about witnessing, when we talk about blessing, that's what we're talking about. To making known the already blessedness that we've received in Jesus, that we get to experience in Jesus, the wholeness and contentment, security, direction, and clarity that we get to have in this trusting bond with Jesus. A life where we recognize who God is and what he is up to, at the peaks and in the valleys, in the dying and in the rising, and we live responsibly, obediently, and joyfully with and for one another, for we're blessed. This design to bless as witness and be witnesses to blessing is not an act of service, but actually a friendship. Witness and blessing is the outworking of a deep relationship with Jesus and a deepening love for one another. Here's how Jesus put it. He said in John 15, You are my friends 
Just before this, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. He says, if you do what I command you, you are my friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. I've been open. I've opened my life to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Same as Psalm 16. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. All comes back into this, this group thing, right? This togetherness thing, this reality of knowing ourselves in a way that we're, because we're in relationship with God that allows us to know one another in a way that allows us to be a part of what God is doing in the world for our fullness and our completeness. It's, again, if, if we're not just moving to an end of wholeness, but that we're getting, but along the way we're becoming whole, um, we discover as, in paraphrasing Ruth Haley Barton, that in our life together with Jesus, we discover that becoming like Jesus, whole and holy, is both an end in itself and a means to other ends. Becoming whole and holy in Jesus with the Father and others is a means is an end in itself, but it's also a means to another end. Becoming like Jesus together enables us to convey or witness the presence of Jesus to the world because Jesus is present to us. It allows us to, to witness to the presence of Jesus in the world because Jesus is present with us. We become partakers of the divine nature, as Peter describes it, participants in the life of God, Father, Son, Spirit, and children so that Jesus' presence and purposes are witnessed in real time to the world through us. Real time. What God is really up to and really doing, that's what these practices that we've been talking about for the last month are about. Helping us recognize, get in on, participate in it. So that in real time, we might be ones who are salty, ones who shed light on what God is doing in this moment in our friends' and our family's lives. Blessing to witness like Jesus, witnessing the blessing of life with Jesus is being salt that draws out God flavors and light that draws us into God, draws out God colors. Blessing to witness and witness to bless can take many forms in our everyday lives, our city, our society, and our world. And I just want to mention these because I think sometimes like, it just helps us to both move it down into, again, the more practical, but also to kind of maybe reframe some of the things that we think of witnessing and blessing is. And so the first is one that's probably pretty common is evangelism. And so most of the time, probably we think about evangelism in a way of just direct sharing the gospel message and inviting people to faith. And there is a truth to that. There's a reality to that. But what we've seen over this last month and really in the scriptures throughout is that, that sharing the only message is really an invitation to wholeness, to holiness, to life with God the Father through Jesus. That's what we're inviting people into. That's what we're sharing. And part of that sharing starts from sharing what God's done in our lives. The life that, what God is at work within us doing. That we bear witness in the middle of God active and at work and invite others into what God is doing in their lives for their wholeness and their holiness. This is actually what happens in Acts 1 and 2. Like if you, if we, if you read Acts 1 and 2, the birth of the church as we think it, the disciples are waiting for, for Jesus um, um, to send the Holy Spirit. He's ascended and he's told them already, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones who testify about me, who, who show the world about me. 
the Holy Spirit comes upon them, it fills them. And what do they do? They go out and they begin to share about the mighty works of God in their life, what they've experienced, who they know Jesus to be. And Peter goes through, and in his, in his famous sermon in Acts 2, like, it, why we, where we tend to read it again is this kind of, like, he's going through all the scriptures, he knows all the history. He's talking to people who are in a place who have come to worship God. They're in Jerusalem at, at, the, at the time of the Passover. These people are familiar with these stories. And so what he's doing is he is connecting the dots for the people that are there searching and looking for God with the Jesus that he came to know over those three years. He's helping connect the dots with them. He's witnessing to them that what they long for, what they've hoped for, what drew them to this place is Jesus. Their life that they have pilgrimaged there to, to discover, to worship God, is found in Jesus. And what does it say at the end of Acts 2? It says that thousands came to know, but then it goes into that famous text that we all love, where they began, they shared life together, right? They, got, they met together regularly, they broke bread together, they, they had everything in common, and then it seems like right after that things go awry, and the church has been trying to get back to that point ever since, right? But like the beauty of it, again, is the witnessing, these disciples who had witnessed Jesus, who had shared life with Jesus, they went out and they shared, they evangelized, they gospeled, the other people around them, the people around them, with their story of God's work in their lives. And they recognized by the power of the Spirit, because God was with them, that God was at work in the lives of the men and women around them, and they connected the dots to Jesus. That's what they did. And but out of that birth, this community of people who shared life together to do the same thing, to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what evangelism is. That's what witnessing can be, right? It's sharing what God's doing in our lives, helping connect the dots of what is going on in other people's lives to Jesus. That's not the only way that we witness Jesus active. And we also do it through generosity, um, being in generosity within our lives, emotions, relationships, and friendships, being open as, as um, uh, Matthew 16 read, um, opening our lives to relationships, to vulnerability, um, to what is going on within us. Open ourselves to the struggles of others. And then obviously open up our time and money and homes, resources, the things God's given us. But, but there's a, a way of living generously that is a witness, that is witnessing to the blessedness already received. Care is another way, showing compassion that leads to helping those in need and those without advocates. That could be as simple as um, creating space within your neighborhood for, um, for people to just be real and vulnerable, um, to not feel um, the tension of everything else in life pulling them into some sort of identity. If, if you're like us in our neighborhood, there's, um, there's a pool to be um, um, known as uh, part of the school crowd or a part of this, this thing or a part of that thing. What if we just were a group that allowed people to just not be identified by that, but just to be known for who they really are? Could that be a witness? Could that be a place where we care for those who are needing an identity and are running after things to find it? Or being a voice for those who don't have much of a voice is another way of showing care. We could also be, in this idea of witnessing, um, peacemakers. And Jesus said it, blessed are the peacemakers. But this is kind of a negative idea, right? To be a peacemaker assumes that there's conflict. 
And to be one who makes peace means we enter into conflict as ministers of reconciliation, as Paul would describe it in 1 Corinthians. That we work for justice and equity of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven against the forces and things that would keep that from being experienced. And we're all called to that to, to a degree, right? That's what we're all meant. We're all meant to enter into conflict. But some of us may be called to enter into it more directly. That's a part of witnessing. Witnessing to the wholeness of God's kingdom, of life as it's meant to be. But it could also mean, in a positive way, it could also mean flourishing. Working for flourishing. Doing work and the kind of work that bears fruit that is actually already in line with the way God has the world to work. What careers we choose, what, well, how we spend our time, what um, things that we're a part of that actually already, whether in parallel or in direct connection, work with the way that God has created flourishing to work. All those things bear witness to the reality that God is with us, that God is for us, that God's life and life with God is the only life in which joy can be found and fullness can be discovered. And that the people that we love and long to know that they are loved can experience it. Listen, I know when we say these things, yeah, we probably get a little overwhelmed. Um, maybe, some of us. Um, we, if we've grown up in church at all, uh, usually this is the point where it's now make a list, here's the things to do, go and do it type deal. But, but, but I want us to just breathe for a second and just hear this. The blessing to witness and witnessing to blessing can be as simple as opening your home as a place of peace for family, neighbors, and friends. Uh, it can be that simple. Opening your home as a place of peace. Or it could be as simple as inviting others to journey with you through the transformation God is leading you in, as some have done in our faith family over the last few months, right? God's transforming and shaping their lives, and so they just invite others to join with them in what God is doing. Blessing to witness and witness to blessing can be as simple as cultivating hospitality in your life with others. Space and ways for your lives to be open as Jesus' life was open. And as Matthew 16 says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Blessed to bless, to witness God with us for the joy of all the earth is what we're made for. And the details of which are what we help one another discern, how we, what we support one another in pursuing, and we assist one another by holding each other to um, helping each other to live congruently with who God has made us to be, to be individually and together. Blessed, we become a blessing in our time and place in salvation history still unfolding, shining a light on who God is and what He's up to through Jesus in our lives and in the world we inhabit. This is in some ways, spiritual formation. This is maturing, becoming more and more like Jesus along the way home with others. And as Barton says, it results in the ability to discern how God is sending us individually and collectively into the world uniquely to do his will. So discerning how God is sending us individually and collectively into the world is the aim of our final together practice. Again, if you're new with us, um, we do this quite often, but especially in series like this, we kind of end the time of me sharing communication um, with a time for us to just kind of let it settle. And so what we're about to do is a, is a together practice, a practice meant to be done in gospel community, with family, a part of DNA, those you're sharing life with Jesus to help you discern how you are salty, what it looks like to be liked together at this time and place with Jesus. 
And so what we're going to do, real briefly, um, is get a taste of it. And so just to help us so that when we come into it together, when we do this together uh, in our homes, when we do this together in gospel community, uh, it's not strange, right? So we'll start like we do every time, and we'll just take a minute to just quiet our souls. So what we're going to do in just a second is I'm going to ask you some questions. We're just going to lead you into um, a time of listening and then a time of responding. There's paper in the chairs in front of you if you want to write things down. We really encourage that as we listen that we respond to God. As God gives us things, we, we write those down to help one another discern and walk through those. If this is new for you or strange for you, that's okay. Um, I apologize for its strangeness. Um, um, but at the same time, um, I hope that it, um, you'll press through it and you'll get to um, experience why we do it. <laughs> but as always, we begin from a quiet place. So I want you to do this. I want you to take three deep breaths with me. As you breathe in, pray, Holy Spirit. As you breathe out, let me witness. Together, Holy Spirit, let me witness. Holy Spirit, let me witness. Holy Spirit, let me witness. If your mind gets distracted, um, other things kind of pop in that want to take you away from it, just Breathe in, Holy Spirit, breathe out, let me witness and come back into the question that we're thinking on. From this quiet place, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. First, I want you to consider your journey. How has your faith grown? How have you become more like Jesus? By blessing others by witnessing God's blessing in your life to others? In what ways has blessing and witnessing deepened or catalyzed your own maturing in Jesus? I'll let you sit on that for about a minute. Now I want you to consider others' journeys. How have those you are following Jesus with, whether they're in your gospel community, family members, friends, um, a part of this faith family or outside of it, but those who are following Jesus with you, how have they inspired, inspired you? How have they challenged, encouraged, or even brought you into blessing and witnessing with them? How has their life inspired, challenged, and encouraged you to participate in what God is doing. Can I let you think about that for a minute?
in um in a normal setting and when you do this in your groups you would have like a little space in between these to share with one another the things you heard the things that were brought to mind to kind of affirm um your own journey to affirm um, what god's doing in the lives of others but as we move into this last movement this kind of last part of the practice um, we're going to go from considering your journey and others journey to considering our journey and so to do this you really need even in this space to kind of have um Faces, names of people who are following Jesus with you. People who, um, who you are sharing life with Jesus with. And if for some reason you don't have those names, like that's okay, there's no judgment in that. But that let that be an indicator that there's something missing, that God wants something more for you, right? Because this is what God has formed for you. The blessedness that you want and long for requires, because God has established it in a good way for you to be with others. But as you think about these people, as their names and images and their, their life with you and ways um, with you come together, go with them before Jesus. Imagine yourself standing with them before Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. And then ask Jesus this question. Why have you brought us together? Ask Jesus the question. Why have you brought us together? Who have you brought us together for? What have you brought us together to do? With these people that you're journeying with, ask Jesus why he's brought you together. Listen. Wait. Listen. And then if the Lord gives you anything, I would encourage you to write it down for sure. But I'll give you about two minutes on this time. As you're listening to Jesus, you may want to listen uh, for, or even ask Jesus for a specific way of keeping an open house for the joy of your community, your neighborhood, or a particular people. Just ask him if there's any way he would have you together keep an open house and what that might look like. Again, I know this is, this is a little rushed, um, so forgive me, um, but, um, but as we move out of this and kind of conclude our time of worship again, hopefully this, this will spur you to do this in more depth after this. We, we, um, we, ha- we'll ha- we have all these, these practices available on the app for you to be able to do in group. But at the end of this, what you would do together is that you would share. Um, you would share the things that God's given you. You would discuss those things together. You would affirm what it looks like for God to be with you, and then you would just 
obey. <laughs> That's really what we're called into, right? Jesus says, my brothers and sisters are those who listen to the Father and respond, who listen and obey. That's what we're all after. It's really that simple. Um, it's also that intimate and, um, and sometimes challenging because we're so distracted, because there's all kinds of other messages, because uh, we're wrapped in our own little world. But all together, these practices that we've been talking about over the last month have meant to help us move in our individuality into life together well. So I hope you'll get to discover that this isn't a one-time thing for us as a faith family. This, these are things we'll come back to over and over and over and over and over and over again until we see Jesus clearly face to face. So will you pray with me as we conclude our time in worship together? Father, I thank you that you have given us life um, that is full and abundant, even, Lord, in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of the in-between um, Lord, as your word says over and over again that, um, Lord, we are ones who are brought into the rule and reign of Jesus, this holy mountain. Um, um, Lord, even in the midst of tribulation, the kingdom is growing in our lives and through our lives. So help us to be aware of that, to be grounded firmly on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and to experience fully all that life is meant to be individually and together in Jesus. I thank you that we have others to walk with us, that we're not alone, and that what we're after, Father, Lord, we're after with those in our lives. So let us be ones who are willing to be open to one another. Lord, in our openness together, may we be ones who, um, Lord, open in a way that allows others to find the door that, um, that you've made in your son, Jesus. All this we pray um, with humility and with gratitude, Lord, but also with great expectation for Christ died and Christ rose and Christ lives even now. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
You can go ahead and grab those. They're actually, um, if you're here, they're in the seats in front of you. Um, there's little cups with uh, little wafers. And if you will, stand with me and let's confess together what we believe is true. I'll give you just a second to grab those elements. Um, again, at home, grab those as well. And let's read together what we believe. Father, you have taught us to abide in you, your word, and your love in joyous obedience to keep company with you by loving you, our neighbor, and one another. Grant us the grace and strength of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body, and united to one another with pure and gentle affection. 
until we have all become like Jesus inside and out. Be present, O Jesus, our great high priest, who died for our sins and is alive for our living. Be present with us as you were with your disciples and be known to us as we follow you with one another until our real lives in Jesus become the only life seen. To your glory and our neighbor's good through Jesus. Amen. Christine to the front, and she's going to close us in prayer before we finish with a reading from Philippians chapter 2. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, I just want to praise you for this time together um, of worship and uh, just dwelling on what it means to be a community, to be your community, um, to show your love, to be witness um, to each other, um, to our city, to our neighbors, to our community um, around us. And uh, what a great blessing it is that we get to do this, that we get to bring um, your kingdom on earth um, as we um, look forward to it, as we have this hope of this future kingdom. But we have this goal of um, just living in your presence here 
and I'm just so overwhelmed and blessed by this reality, um, this reality of us to be uh, peacemakers in a world that is just full of um, brokenness and um, evil and conflict, and um, it's only through your love and through your grace and your mercy that we can um, see your kingdom brought here. Uh, so again, thank you for this reminder, and I pray that we'll just continue to be encouraged and dwelling on this um, throughout the week and as we just spend time together as families, as friends, um, as communities, gospel communities, and um, as we just go out into the world in our workplaces and schools and everything else. So um, in your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Christine. We'll finish with the reading from Philippians 2 and Maybe you've picked up on this, but we've been reading this at the close of our gatherings this last month, and it kind of follows um, the trajectory of the series that we've been in, um, bringing us together, uniting us around Jesus, and then even this call to be a witness and a blessing. This comes from Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Love you guys. Thanks.